it from the start every week. You know, I think that's the ability and the um, talent that he has, and, and I got to do a better job um, getting our offense to a quicker start. There's no doubt, but but we've seen him do that before, and. and um, he can, he can make it go when he wants to. Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Cardinals, back on Monday talking about Kyler Murray, his quarterback, just taking the game over in the uh, second half. It all led to good things for the Cardinals after a first half full of bad things. They trailed 20 to nothing at halftime. Uh, we kind of touched on this, but I think this is also a theme uh, of this week leading to this game. You know, going into the Raiders game, we had the thought, Vic, uh, all right, we'll get a better idea of what the Cardinals really are. Yeah. are. Are they as bad as they were against the Chiefs? Well, for a half, they looked that way. Um, you know, for three quarters, basically, they looked that way. The fourth quarter was magical. Um, does getting that win, you know, how does that affect the team moving forward? Does it reinforce, hey, we know what we're doing, we know we can do this? Or was that fourth quarter combination of Kyler Murray being Superman and the Raiders being dormant? Is that just like putting a Band-Aid on, on bigger issues with this team? I, I think yeah. that's a fascinating question. Oh, it question. is. We are going to find out, man. I'll tell you that much because that this is one of the uh, the craziest things about this comeback is because what Kyler Murray did covered up a lot of flaws on that football field. And we said going into the season that this was really the entire narrative, given how thin this roster is, given how dependent it is on young guys to make steps forward, that they're really asking Kyler Murray to 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 kind of be a big bottle of concealer for them, mm-hmm. to cover up all warts and flaws and all that. And that's exactly what he did yesterday. Now, again, I, I'm not sure that you can really count on that as a uh, as a as a strategy going forward. But there is there is a belief here. It, it, here's here's what I, if you want to be an optimist, here's what I would look at. Um, one of the big winners, three big winners out of Sunday, uh, Byron Murphy Jr., Kyler Murray, the offensive line of, of Justin Pugh, Will Hernandez, Rodney Hudson, Kelvin Beecham, and DJ Humphreys. Um, Justin Pugh's return to the lineup obviously has has solidified that line and did some good things for that line in the second half. They really look like a formidable unit in the second half. Is that believable? Is that also part of the Raiders powering down yesterday or on Sunday? We're going to find out against the Rams because the Rams can do something that really bothers Kyler Murray, and that is uh, affect pressure from the inside mm-hmm. up the middle of the football field. He don't, no quarterback likes that. He don't like that one bit. But if you look at this offensive line, that offensive line played all but one snap. Yes, um, on Sunday, the whole group played 87. DJ Humphreys played 86. That core group right there, getting through that entire game, making adjustments at halftime, changing the game, and making their quarterback feel comfortable, that last part is what's most meaningful to me. What can Kyler Murray become if he can stand in the pocket without fear and keep his eyes downfield? That if If we can get to that point, then... I think Kyler Murray will do things like go under center more often, which I think really would be beneficial for this offense and this football team to bring some variety and some real deception to this offense. No, it gives you flexibility. Flexibility. It gives you looks. You can do different you things. Can from, bootleg. Yeah, yeah. You can waggle. <laughs> <laughs> you can right, so it, it makes your play action much more effective. Oh yeah, so all that stuff. So and so this is going to be this is going to be interesting. How does that front five hold up against the Rams? Now, in terms of other pieces, you know, anytime Trey McBride wants to get the, on the football field, it'd be good by me. What's what's holding this kid back 
What's holding him back is an offense that uses one tight end sometimes, <laughs> never two tight ends. Like the, the, that was so what you're saying is they need more twelve personnel, right? <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to be saying. Uh, yeah, that's I, exactly I, I could tell. Saying. I just beat you. He's to the got point. a thick base. Um, not for this week, obviously, but that's something that needs to go away. Is the instantaneous anointing of draft picks by this organization? Thank you. Thank it you. happens way too often. Oh. It puts so much pressure. I mean, there's three guys right now that have that have you know succumbed to that pressure to a to a degree. Isaiah Simmons is dealing with it right now. Zayvon Collins, to his credit, I think he played well and he was out there every snap. He was available, but for Trey McBride, a third round pick yeah. in this offense with the injuries that they've had, mm-hmm. second, wide, round pick. Uh, second round pick. The um, second round pick. I'm yeah. sorry. third round pick. Uh, um, but for him to play one snap through two weeks, well, that was such a that was such a uh, such a gratuitous indulgent draft pick uh, in and of itself. Especially when the tight end room was already loaded prior to the drafting of Trey McBride. So I, uh, again, I don't I don't know what's holding them back, but that's that's a that's a real that's a real asset. To kind of squander, if you will. In a couple of weeks when they really needed pass-catching weapons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Zach Ertz was productive uh, on Sunday in Vegas, and that was a good thing. But, yeah, mm-hmm. Trey McBride, um, they, they need more from him. Um, yeah. Here's so, another thing that they gotta, yeah. they, they got to slay this week is this, this building pressure about winning at home. I watched a video from from Buda Baker, a locker room video after the win, and he ended it with, "Now we got to come home and protect the nest." I mean, that's yeah, it's a marketing slogan. I get it, um, but it's also something that they believed in for a lot of their history at State Farm Stadium. Mm-hmm. It was a tough place to play. It's getting to the point now where the fans are going to throw their hands up and say, "What's going on? You can't win at home." Yeah. Six straight losses. It's unfortunate the Super Bowl champions are the next team coming in. Yeah. And your first two games this year were against two of the best teams in the league. But yeah. You've it's got to kill that narrative. It's, it's a shame. As as somebody who's been to probably every single home game, maybe maybe one I've missed, um, I, I've seen this disappear, and it's really depressing. There, It used to be you'd roll into that parking lot, and, and there'd be you know parties raging on the Great Lawn, and you'd look at that, and you'd go, wow, what a great pre-game facility the Cardinals have. And there would be a, a spackling of opposing fans there. Now you pull up that tailgate is is always 50-50. It's mm-hmm. a bipartisan deal, which makes it no party at all, in my opinion. And, and then you get inside, and, and then it used to be you'd wait for that crowd to get inside, and they'd come inside, and they'd have they'd, they'd be in full lather. And it's, in a, in a, again, it's not on the fans. Don't hear me wrong. I am not blaming you. It is on the football team to, to pull that out of you, to make you want to go to Glendale, to make you not want to sell your tickets. But that's, that's what it is. Sports fans, a sports, a businessman is now a business fan. And that is, if, if you ain't, if you ain't giving me what I want, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not giving you what you want. Cardinals fans must be like, this is not the bird city that I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> well done, Jared. That's good. That's Have you subscribed good. to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. 
Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, didn't take long for the new interim head coach of Arizona State to make some changes. He did it in his first practice. We'll get into that more ASU football talk next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. There is going to be subtle changes. There's not going to be drastic changes. There is going to be subtle changes um, that I'll put a thumbprint on. Um, and that might seem drastic to the kids there because they're such in, in tune to a routine. Um, but I think those are subtle changes that need to happen uh, for us to be successful. Uh, I asked my coaches in the nine or ten weeks that we're going to play to give it all for me and, and our team and for, uh, for our kids mostly. And um, we all agreed. And so uh, I got here at, the, at 5.30 this morning, and there are seven coaches here already. So that tells you a lot about the type of men that are, are taking care of our kids. That's Sean Aguano back at his introductory press conference on Monday. Uh, first day of practice yesterday, uh, reporters that were out there noticed changes that everything was a little bit more quickly paced, which is a good thing because watching <laughs> ASU football this uh-huh. season has been like watching a glacier move. Um, so I, I, I think that's one of the maybe not so subtle changes that they're making. Yeah. But Sean Aguano is attacking this as an opportunity. He said he wants to stick around to, you know, to pass the 2022 season this is an audition as he views it um, and uh, an opportunity for him and this team to turn things around. Is it a realistic goal? I, I guess that will be seen, but he's doing a lot of stranger things have happened. He's doing a lot of good things early on. I'll say uh, that. Uh, I like what Chris Cartman said. He was on with, I believe, uh, Wolf and Luke, and he said he's known Sean Aguano for a long time. He wouldn't put it past him to kind of kill this opportunity and put himself square into the crosshairs of who's going to lead this program going forward. I'm, I'm down for a story like that. Um, but he's also he's also coming in at a very very difficult time. There are, there is still a lot of deep unhappiness among Sun, Sun Devil alumni. I talked to a couple of them yesterday, and and it's it all stems back to two different things. Uh, number one, what is the future of Ray Anderson? Does he have a say in who gets hired next? And if that's the case, why? Secondarily, there's this uh, idea of eight million dollars that is owed Herm Edwards. Why? Why would ASU feel compelled to make that payment? And if they did, again, why would they do that? Uh, Chris Cartman on Luke and Wolf also uh, reiterated that his reporting he has evidence that uh, Herm Edwards was very much involved in the illegal recruiting that recruiting that went on during the pandemic. That he knew what he was doing was wrong. And so if all of that is true, and the school knows it, and there's documented evidence, you can fire with cause to to give him money. To give him his $8 million would look like just more of a grift between an agent rewarding his former client on the way out the door. And longtime friend. And longtime friend. And so how Michael Crow handles that, what ASU does with that money, and and how, how much Ray Anderson is held accountable for what's gone down here are questions that need to be answered. And this is the landscape that Sean Aguano has got to kind of navigate. And so if he can if he can pull this team together, if he can reach these kids and listen, young kids are, are young athletes. If you know anything about college athletes, you give them a powerful presence as a leader. You can bring out stuff you didn't even know you had. Mm-hmm. And if Herm Edwards was kind of half-assing his way through this thing because, again, by all accounts, the tempo of practice was dramatically different, dramatically 
That's that's what everybody said. So yeah. if he can, so if Sean Aguano can reach these kids and make them realize, hey, we got something here. The look of that could negate, mitigate, counter, I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff swirling around this program right now that is, uh, not to mention the future of the conference and, you know, stuff like that. Well, a lot of other other stuff came from that game. Donnie Henderson, the defensive coordinator, his defense got absolutely just wrecked by the Eastern Michigan running game. Um, and it was frustrating to watch because it was the same defensive alignment no over and over again. And he admitted as such yesterday in his press conference, we didn't make a whole lot of adjustments. They were more physical than us. Well, that's very disheartening for the Sun Devil fans who want to get back on board, who want to be fully invested. Why not? All right, this team came to play. They're being physical. We got to switch something up. We're, we're Arizona State. They're Eastern Michigan, and and mm-hmm. it was just basically sixty minutes of letting them do what they wanted to. Yeah. I, you know, subtle changes. That's where a, a a deep change needs to happen, without a doubt. And so, and, and here's what I here's where I'm getting at here. So, if I've heard some people claim that that Herm Edwards w- was only hired to lend a hand, that he came to ASU at a time of need, and they were going to leverage his personality and his ESPN context and his recruiting ability and his oratory skills, and and then underneath that, they were going to build the structure and the foundation of a football program. Okay, so if there is actual evidence, as Chris Cartman is reporting, that Herm Edwards was definitely involved in the illegal recruiting of these kids, does he have the license to say, I didn't know the rules? I, I never learned the rules, which which I've heard from a lot of people that Herm that Herm has had no clue whatsoever about the rules. Yeah, Doug Holler of the Athletic uh, put out a behind the scenes report That's I think right. two days ago, in That's which he right. lays out that it was almost defiant. I don't know the rules, and I don't care to know. And the I rules. don't care. So so a head coach that disassociated, he he doesn't deserve eight million dollars on the way out the door. Okay. No. And, and ASU fans feel that way. And if 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 that money gets paid, it's gonna feel dirty. That. But to me, it even goes higher. How do you empower somebody who doesn't have an interest in learning the rules that govern the sport? That you're. you're I mean, I, that's like. Giving somebody the keys to a car, I don't want to learn the rules of the road. I don't need I don't a driver's want to be held license. Responsible. Yeah. If I crash this thing, I, I don't want to be held responsible. If I close my eyes when I drive through a red light, it doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. And again, I, I don't want to, ha- you know, Herm's a nice guy and all he that. Is. But, but, yeah. let's, but let's but let's just be real here at, at what's going on here. This program has been floundering for a quarter century. Yeah, and and you mentioned the phrase, and I'm not picking on what you said because this was obviously the feeling that ASU had too. He came in at a time of need and was being leveraged. Why was the need so great? They were coming off a decent season. They improved under that last season under, under Todd Graham. Now, <laughs> talk about not I perfect. <laughs> a guy who really shined mm-hmm. early, and the luster came off of his tenure too. I wanted to bring this up too. Uh, Jalen Conyers, who's a tight end on ASU, he tweeted, uh, just wanted to say that we get the fans' frustration because we are too. However, booing us in our own stadium with maybe half the seats filled is not what us players work and practice for every single day. All we want to do is make Sun Devil Nation proud, but fans coming to the game simply just to yell at the players and coaches or to criticize and boo us is quite frankly ridiculous. 
ridiculous. He goes on and on, and he asks for support against Utah in the Pac-12 season. I get it. Nobody wants to hear yeah. the booze. I don't know. I can't speak for all the fans that were there. I was not at the game. In fact, I shut it off in disgust, so I somewhat <laughs> understand the booing that went on. But uh-huh. I don't think it's a booing of the individual players. I think it's a of booing not. of the situation. It, it, it is, and that's uh, and, and I feel very, very badly for these young players um, who, who envision their college careers as sounding much different. Right. Yes. And, and and again, it's not their fault. It's that's not they're, they're not the the rejection and the booing and the unhappiness that they're hearing. It really isn't directed at them at all. And, but but they're the ones who have to hear it and they're the ones who have to wear it. And, and I feel bad for them for that. I really do. So it, it's a look. I mean, and again, how, how is a fan base supposed to react when the AD says we're going to be a top 15 team? Every Anything year. less We're than that is unacceptable. Yeah, top 15 and what? And then you're watching Samson Evans run for 8,000 <laughs> yards on your defense. I, it, How do you yeah. react to that? Eastern Michigan, the fifth best Division One program in Michigan. The fifth best. Is that even certified? You go <laughs> right. You went from beating Michigan State and East Lansing. What are you doing with your hands there, Jared? I don't understand that gesture. Yeah, I, I know you don't understand it. Believe me. <laughs> Years on this show. Let's me know. I got to come up with a new gesture. I yeah, think. yeah. You don't understand it either, Vic, freak. Is there a gesture you'd like to give Jared right now? <laughs> Whoops. With your hand. Only need one hand. one hand for that. Yeah. <laughs> really, not even the whole hand. Uh, Jared's feisty today. I like this. Yeah. He's he's hitting back today, especially I like for a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah right? even mentioned Ash Dragon no. today. <laughs> Proud of you, Jared. <laughs> Coming up next, Sarah takes us through the big stories of the day. The Rush Hour reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. I will ride this train until it until it stops. It's not going to stop. Ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Moran Mornings on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Every single day at 7.30, we take you through what you need to know, the top stories of the day here in Arizona and beyond. I am Sarah Kazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! Jarrett Carlin! Jarrett, Jarrett, Jarrett Carlin. Oh, no. And Vince Barada. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll hear Vince from Vince Barada is on assignment. Right That's right. He is on assignment. Gastrointestinal uh-huh. yes, issues. Oh, I could, I could oh come on. Oh, come on. Why do you got to do that? We don't talk about stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I don't talk about that. We right? This is like the have. perfect time to actually play that Joker laugh that he banned. Do it. <laughs> Ooh. Oh yeah, I want to hear it. Do you have it on here? I have it. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to betray him like that, especially in a time of need like this. Anyway, <laughs> betraying him left I and could, right I, right now. I'll, I can't I'll, believe your mind even went there. You're thinking this is the great greatest time to play that. I'll fill in for Vinny while he uh, is on assignment. Okay. I'll just talk twice as much. It's no big deal. Oh, okay, Ooh, we yeah, love fair that. Fair enough. It's no what, big deal. Whatever, whatever works for you guys. All right, let's start off uh, on a more serious note with the Phoenix Suns and the ongoing Robert Sarver situation. Um, no new development. Developments pertaining to Sarver, you know, the story itself. But we did hear from another NBA player yesterday, a very visible one, Draymond Green from 
the Golden State Warriors. He, of course, has a podcast, The Draymond Green Show, and he gave his two cents on this Robert Robert Sarver situation. Easy enough for me to say. For everything that the NBA stands against and stand for, this report that came out last week is the total opposite of everything that the NBA stands for. And so to think that someone like Robert Sarver that's acting in that manner can continue to represent us, that's All right, so we've heard from Chris Paul, we've heard from LeBron James, and now Draymond Green. And he also mentioned on this podcast that he knows the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, said he has taken all of the steps he can to discipline Sarver, uh, and that now the rest of the power lies within the owners. So Draymond asked, why not have a vote? Why not hold a vote among the owners to see what they want to do? I know we've discussed that and, you know, the kind of mm, bleep that that would stir up with the other owners and uh, pasts that would come to light. But do you think it could reach a point where it actually does come to maybe. a vote? Yeah, maybe. I, I think that the, the reticence of the Board of Governors in the NBA is they do not want to be sued by Robert Sarver, and, and, and that I think they're very afraid of if they do force his hand here and, and basically ban him from the league. So I think that they're hoping that external pressure will will lead Robert Sarver to to selling off his stake and solving this issue for them. Sponsors dropping. Yeah, sponsors dropping, players squawking, municipal governments condemning. Mm. Part you know, uh, which we've seen from Kate Gallego. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so I think that that's what they're banking on. So they so they don't have to deal with any legal clapback. Mm -hmm. But but if if that doesn't work. I just I don't see it just seems to me like a lot of people have have come to the conclusion that they cannot have Robert Sarver come back to this franchise in a year. That just that is not an acceptable outcome. And so I think that as people have told Adam Silver, you've got a year to make this happen no matter what lane you choose, no matter how you choose to get there. That's how I read the situation. And that is a good point. I think so many of us here in the Valley are like, okay, like what's going to happen? But there is a year for this all to be uh, figured out. All right, let's go to college football now. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov went on the Kenzano and Wilner podcast. Uh, I know you want to throw Klyovkov in there. George. Klyovkov! There no, it is. What, what I was going to say is, how, why is it not just called like the John and John or the Johns or going John to the Square. Johns or something? <laughs> they both have the same name, for goodness sakes. I don't know. I don't know. Pac-12 oh, I, Johns. I Jared, maybe it has something to do with branding. If both guys have great reputations uh, for you delivering... Want their last names? Yeah. In there? Yeah. No. Makes them I, more Googleable, certainly. Googleable. That's right. Okay. The the big money quote that is circulating from this podcast appearance from the Pac-12 commissioner uh, is in reaction to the idea that more Pac-12 schools could defect for the Big Ten. Here's what Klyovkov said. I think if schools would have left for the Big Ten, they would have left for the Big Ten already. And also what I will tell you is I'm very focused on things that are in my control. Things that are not within my control, I find no value in spending time on. Okay, first of all, I can't believe they made him do an interview from inside a toilet. (laughs) That's terrible. Uh, No way to treat a conference commissioner. Uh, But he said, if you couldn't quite understand, he said, I think if other Pac-12 schools were to have left, they would have left by now. Which, he didn't see USC and UCLA coming, so I'm not sure that's fair. But the other big piece of news is that the Pac-12 and Amazon 
potentially are in talks for television distribution, or I guess technically streaming distribution. What would you think, Dan Bickley? Would that be beneficial to the Pac-12? Yeah, would that listen, be a bad it, turn? Uh, well, no. I mean, uh, as solutions go for the conference, aligning yourself with a partner like that, that would certainly have resources to make this work, to put this in on a different level. I, I would be, I would be very interested in, in seeing what that looked like and, mm-hmm. and how much that that platform and that owner could do for that product. Yeah. No more direct TV squabbling. What do you think, Ferret? I think going on Amazon Prime for the Pac-12 network would be interesting because it would just be a different group of people complaining about how they can't watch the games and can't find the games and can't... That's true, but anywhere around the world, if you wanted to pay for it, you could, which is not exactly the case right now. All right, let's quickly squeeze this in. we got to get to baseball and Aaron Judge's home run chase. He hit home run number 60 on the season last night in a 9-8 win over the Pirates, so he has tied Babe Ruth's best season in 1920. Seven With 15 games left for the Yankees, Aaron Judge is now one home run away from tying Roger Maris's 61, which is the AL record and seventh on the all-time single-season home runs list. So, of course, on that list, one through six, it's all guys from the steroid era. It's Barry Bonds, it's Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. So, Dan and Vince, how are you guys looking at Aaron Judge's home run chase? If he beats Roger Maris's record, is he the home run king to you? Um, that's a complicated question. I want to say yes, but but it's it's so muddled with 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 what's in front of them. Here is what I really would like to do. There are 15 games left. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, teams are still pitching to Aaron Judge, and I think there's a reason for that. He's only walked 93 times this year, uh, which is amazing for a guy that's hit 60 home runs. Yeah. Generally, you would start avoiding him like the plague, and that has not happened here. I would love for him to get to 67, to get to third, to get up and over that fraud named Sammy Sosa and sit there third behind on the Bonds list, and Maguire. Behind Bonds and Maguire. And sort of serve notice that that record might be mine at some point in time, the 73, mm. because 67, and he can do it. He's got 15 games left, and he's hot right now. Yeah, I agree with Bick that it is a complicated issue. And when Major League Baseball originally put the asterisk next to Roger Maris, hitting 61, people felt weird about that. I think the asterisk now exists in the minds of a lot of people, but 73 is the record. He hit him. It counts. It's it's part of his yearly his career totals for Barry Bonds. It's just up to whether or not people want to accept it. Mm-hmm. I begrudgingly do. Because uh, even when there was suspicion, those guys were you know, allowed to play. It's, the the yeah. penalty, the, basically, for being a steroid cheat is you don't get into the Hall of Fame. The that, problem also it. is that 62 would not even... It's not like it would be the second most, even. I, it wouldn't yeah. even be in the top five. No. Right. But but getting to 62 would allow one wrong to be righted. Yes. That is, the Maris family once fell in love with Mark McGuire, and he had to circle back and oh, apologize yeah. to them. They to were on a, hand, I remember. Yeah, to have a Yankee do this yeah. again would sort of make it right with the Maris family. Kevin Maris was there last night watching this. He's probably Mm -hmm. thinking, oh, here we go again. The beauty is that it's all those steroid guys were in the National League. So the, yeah, he yeah, was setting the American yeah, League record, cool. and they could cool. still set it as a record. And yeah. the the franchise record for the most storied team in baseball, too, which sure. is cool. Yeah, all right, we're all rebooted. Some, yes, some of us more than others. Yeah. Right? Extra booted. Yeah. Yikes. Did you boot? Yeah. I think you've been rebooted, Vinny. <laughs> I think you didn't boot your pants there. <laughs> I almost became an Archie Bradley.
Dudley sound oh, boy. No. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Did you just made week. Hey. Hey. We're all human Vinny beings, right? No, pants. no, almost, he said, Dan. <laughs> just as a reminder, ask me anything. We're doing that at oh, 930. Boy. So, you don't know, if you want to ask that. Vince Morata no, 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 about that. I've said too much. <laughs> Uh, thank we you, all Sarah. have. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, we'll hit some NFL hash marks, some leftover items from week two around the uh, league. We'll, that's uh, straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. I mean, it, it hurts more than locker room than the Bears fans. I mean, because at the end of the day, they're not putting in any work. Um, I see the guys in the locker room every day. I see how much work they put in. Wow. <laughs> Justin Fields, quarterback of the Chicago Bears, asked about uh, does this hurt more because it's against a rival in the Packers in that uh, Sunday night loss uh, you know, to, to Green Bay. Yeah. And that's what he said. It hurts more in the locker room than the fans do because they don't put any work in. <laughs> There's a way to endear okay. yourself to the fan base. I, I'm, I'm going to share. I'm going to share a little uh, a blast from my past. Many many years ago, when I was covering the Chicago White Sox as a beat writer in Chicago, after the players were on strike or whatever it was, um, I remember going up to Ozzy Guillen and asking him, "Do you do you feel like you owe the fans anything?" And he said, "Bleep, no, we don't owe the fans bleep." And I'm like, "Uh oh!" And that turned out to be a gigantic headline, and Ozzy got killed for it. He, he knew he had said the wrong thing in, in retrospect. I, I think Justin Fields has learned he just said the wrong thing. That even though even though contextually there's an element of truth to what he said, you don't say that. You, you, you do not minimize the fans' investment in you, the football team, even if they're not doing burpees and sit-ups. You do those, Jarrett. Wins Prince. Wins Prince. After his hand fruit. He does. After his pastrami sub. Yeah. Burpees, farties, whatever you want. Right. The idea was correct because the fans aren't putting in the work that the players are. But rather than saying, oh, they're not doing anything, it should be, you don't understand how badly we want it to. Like, we know you want it, but oh, we want it so much. Or the correct answer is, they all hurt. Yeah. Right. We all hurt. We're together. We all hurt. Right. Because yeah. they did too. Because did you guys see the viral video that went out about the Bears fan standing in front of his television? He was wearing a hat. He was wearing wristbands, yes! a jersey, a jacket, and his girlfriend or his female companion was was filming it for it to go on social media. And it's kind of poking at him, like, "Why are you getting so upset?" The guy was crying at this loss, mm-hmm. and, yeah. like, and she's like, "You don't even do anything." Uh, he's like, you don't get that upset about me. And he turned to the camera and said, I've known you for two months. This has been my team for 22 years. And, and kind of the Internet went, yes, thank you. Yeah. But both were right at no, the same well, time. But right. and, and again, it's it's that that's that's the essence. That's kind of the magic of being a sports fan like that and and is is having an element of your fan base yes. that just lives and dies that I wish we had more of that here with our team with our teams plural um but but it's also kind of bizarre to see from the outside if you just swoop in you're like man you really you really got to deprioritize that a little uh, bit I, homie I get it I mean but, I, I when you you're right when you look from the outside and you and you really explore the nature of being a fan it's dumb. <laughs> well, but, well, but emotion is dumb sometimes. Yeah, at a certain age, it, it's probably more healthy to allocate that kind of uh, emotional energy and, and investment and time and all, into something more productive. But, but, but again, I'm, I'm. I, 
it, it, that's the magic of it. That's mm-hmm. what makes sports so awesome is that it is that it does pull people into that state and because it is that rewarding following a team and it is rewarding that rewarding having a team rep you the way you want to be repped. And that's that's all these sport that's all sports fans want. Make me proud to wear your jersey. Yes. And there are Bears fans that have been through a lot. They're still proud to wear the jersey. But mm-hmm. for Justin Fields to be the guy that says that, the guy at the controls of the worst passing offense we've seen in the NFL in 40 years. Did you see that stat? This guy Hayden Winks put it out there. There have been four NFL offenses to complete eight or fewer passes in three-plus games throughout the entire season since 2000. The Bears have done it twice. They're the first offense since 1982 to start their season with eight or fewer completions in each of their first two games. Wow. And the Bears, you know better than anybody, Bick. That fan base can turn. He better, oh, yeah. he better well, play lights out listen, to turn this around. The, the, the McCaskey family that owns that football team, they have just done the dumbest things repeatedly for decades. For decades. And, and that's that's the that's the pain of being a Bears fan, mm-hmm. and that that's and again this is this is the pain of what of what Justin Fields is in right now. He's he's in he's in a, a an offense and an organization that has never known how to develop, play, deploy good quarterbacks. It's you know mm-hmm. it, it's just it's a nightmare. I thought it was, the Eberflus train was going to just drive them right to the, the top. But who? To, to I, who? That's the man. So the Eberflus I, cart? <laughs> I, I, the exact question they asked him for that soundbite, though, because it does need context, because it's not like he said it out of nowhere. Does losing to this team, does it sting more because of this rivalry now? Or because how much the fans invest in it. Right. Yes. So it's not like he just called the fans out or, or insulted was, them out of nowhere. It was still a dumb answer. It was just it was a dumb answer from a young player who hasn't said anything stupid just yet. Yeah. And and if he's smart, he'll never say anything like that again. Yeah. If he's dumb, then these statements will repeat themselves. And did you hear that the former coach had to say about that? That's absolutely the most absurd, humorous, <laughs> stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Dick, uh, uh, the Cardinals-Raiders game was wild. The Dolphins-Ravens uh, uh, Ra- game was crazy. And so was the Jets-Browns game. Mm-hmm. The, the Browns led... Uh, by thir- er, 13 points late in the game after a Nick Chubb touchdown, his third of the game. They end up losing the game. There was a sports book in real time that was offering the Jets at 175-1 to one, uh, in the fourth quarter of that game with like a minute and a half to go. They got no takers on it. They won the game. Wow. Uh, wow. Nick Chubb uh, took blame for the loss after scoring that third touchdown because of what transpired. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I probably, I probably shouldn't have scored right there, honestly, looking back at it. Um, it cost us the game. Uh, a lot of things went wrong. Not not just one thing, but collectively as a unit, as a team, we could have all did things different. But, I mean, it's only a problem because we didn't win, you know, so I probably should have went down. Um, the head coach, um, Stefanski, also came out and said, yeah, I probably should have reminded him to go down. He's done that earlier in his career to preserve a, a three-point win. To go up 13 with under two minutes to go and lose the game, you can't blame the guy that scored the touchdown. How about blaming your defense for giving up a 66-yard touchdown kicker who pass? Missed an extra point. Your kicker who missed an extra point. Your special teams unit that can't recover an onside kick. And your defense, again, that allowed another touchdown. Two I, touchdowns in 82 seconds by Joe Flacco. Who? Yeah. How about it? Elite. Uh, I hate, I hate when the, when the running back or the player who scores the touchdown takes 100% of the blame. That's ridiculous. 
Was it a tactical error? Yeah, but if you can't play defense with a 13-point lead for 90 seconds, you don't deserve to win the game. It's a nice thing. It's a nice sentiment for Nick yes. Chubb, but it. But at the same time, he is really just. I mean, just marginally to blame for that. That is. It's so counterintuitive to ask a football player to hold up before they score a touchdown, right? Your whole life. Yeah, it's all about getting right. into the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> lay down at the one. Right. Now they didn't have the Jets didn't have timeouts left, so it would have it, it would have won the game. But still, I mean, ninety seconds, thirteen points. It wasn't like it was a one score game. Ugh, crazy stuff. Uh, coming yeah. up next, we've hit the 8 o'clock hour. The halfway point of the show. Bick will kick off that second half with the blast. Next, no. it's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.